Sanders is always, always like referencing Scandinavian countries, and Abigail is always referencing Scandinavian <laughs> Bernie countries. Bernie Sanders and I together. But um, isn't that just because Abigail loves Scandinavian culture? But actually, as well I would as I would like to quote the Danish Prime Minister. Hello, and welcome to Inconclusive, the podcast where we randomly select topics and argue about them. Coming up, Inconclusive. My name is James. My name is Abigail. And my name is Candace. All three of us are educators at an international school in Taiwan and bring wildly different perspectives to the table. It is important to note that our individual opinions do not necessarily reflect those of our employer. Okay, let's begin. Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of your favorite inconclusive podcast. I'm here with Candace and Abigail. Hey! And today we are on our third episode in our series on economics. And today we are going to be talking about capitalism, socialism, and poverty. So we are going to start, as we always do, by defining our terms. Wait, wait, let me just say before we get going that this has been a, there's been a buildup to this conversation for as long as I have known both of you, and I am very excited to see how this goes down. I think maybe to clarify for people who haven't known uh, James and I for upwards of three years, um, I tend to lead a little bit more, if it hasn't become apparent in the last however many episodes we've done of this, a little bit more to, um, to I'm against left. wealth building. To the left. I'm against wealth building uh, in general. Wealth building. I'm against wealth building. Are you against wealth acquiring? Yes. Okay. So do I'm against, that's the same do you thing, keep right? building wealth on the backs of other people? Do you have savings? In any context. Interesting. Not very much. But you are wanting to collect. Never mind. Let's go to terms. So, <laughs> so let's I go also to- don't have employees who I underpay and healthcare things that I don't pay, a.k.a. Walmart. Man, why do you keep attacking Walmart? You keep Walmart? getting shots fired at Walmart, man. Yeah. Jeez. Is it because okay. I like Walmart? Yeah, yes, I'm it's not, specifically because you like I'm, Walmart. I'm, you keep Walmart. bringing awkward things up. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, the hugest, I'm not the hugest fan of Walmart, but I mean, jeez. <laughs> okay. All right. not going to ask why you have an iPhone. All right. Oh. Capitalism. Just kidding. Not kidding, actually. Why do you have an iPhone? <laughs> I have an iPhone owned for the only purpose that to survive in a society, a country where I can't read, I need access to having Google Maps and Samsung and Apple both treat their employees pretty equitably bad. So it was bad and worse. Equally bad. Equally bad. So there wasn't a better and to be able to exist in a place where I Didn't you have an iPhone before you moved to Taiwan? Uh, I did, but I also didn't before that. So I had one right before I came and Ah. I didn't before that. If that makes sense. What'd you have before? A flip phone. <laughs> a little uh, slider. Flip phone? Like a Nokia? Uh, I can't remember what brand it was. It HTC? slid up. Oh, slid. Well, I mean, like, every phone well, slid remember. up for a little bit. Or, like, did the little turn thing. It was super exciting. It, right. Mine, my phone flipped the opposite way. Like, it was a... It in, flipped down? No, it, like, what, oh. it flipped. Instead of sliding up on the same plane, it flipped backwards. So, like, what? the, the bottom crazy. half of it rotated on the, the intersecting plane. So on one, when you had the phone one way, it was flat, and then you flipped the bottom oh, half so of it backwards. Oh, so you see the screen when it's closed? No, the bottom oh, half oh. just turned into a keyboard. So when it was flipped the other way, the bottom half was a forward, backward play, looked like an iPod kind of. And then when you flipped it the other way, there was keyboard. I'm having such a difficult time conceptualizing It's called that. a razzle. You can look at oh, pictures of I've it. Oh, I've heard it's the very name. Weird. Razzle. Yeah, razzle. Okay, back to defining our terms. <laughs> 
Um, capitalism and socialism are the two terms we're defining. If we want to, we can. I can say the definition of poverty, but the definition of poverty is just the state of being poor. I do think it's... Or it, lacking the financial resources and essentials for a minimum standard of living. I was going to say, I think that it could be important to denote, are we talking about the national poverty or international poverty? Because they're two different numbers that define... Mm. Right. So actually, we'll talk. We'll get to that in a little bit because I have a little like intro bit that I kind of want us to kind of establish common okay. ground on um, in terms of what we're talking about. So capitalism is an economic system based on private ownership, market allocation, uh, kind of of resources. There's like a uh, a bracket there, um, fair competition and entrepreneurship. And socialism is defined as an economic system based on social and collective ownership and planned coordination of the economy. Question. Yeah. Market allocation, what does that mean? Is that the amount of resources going into a type of market are constant or what? No, it means that the market determines how and at what price resources are allocated. So, like, if there's a, a deficiency of oil, then that's why the price of gas goes up. Yeah, and and so a market, so a capitalistic society would let supply and demand run its course, but it also relates to fair competition because generally, if you have multiple uh, sellers of the same thing, that drives prices down because they're competing to try to get people to buy from them. Mm. Um, Actually, market allocation doesn't always have to do with supply and demand because sometimes it just has to do with like um, putting an intentionally high price on something that's like not as expensive. For example, diamonds. Um, the reason that they're so expensive isn't because they're rare. In fact, they're super common. It's because um, the companies that all have agreed to sell that sell diamonds have all decided that it, there's a certain price point that they won't sell them under to keep their cost up to be able to benefit the, f- the free market that they have for the diamonds. So it's kind of like OPEC, the uh, organiza- organization of petroleum exporting countries mm. like Saudi Arabia, and they basically control their prices so that to to limit supply and also so that they can get they can make a profit. Yeah. But that kind of idea of like multiple corporations or in this case countries joining ca- together to control the market of something is called an oligopoly an which oligopoly. is similar to like a monopoly but then with an oligo in front of it but does that w- so what would that fit under then that because that would be a capitalist thing because it's a free market a group within the it would actually not be because there's a few um traits in capitalism that make it so that it's a free market like it's got to be free and fair Mm. um so that means anyone who wants to like if i'm gonna sell tea uh and i want to start a tea stand i should have a fair shot at starting a tea stand Mm. i shouldn't be up against a monopoly of tea stands that are gonna like shut you out right so it's fair and it's transparent so that's i that's the general idea so generally like monopolies are the opposite of capitalism because in that case there's only one market and there's only one seller Mm. and that's usually the opposite of because you want multiple sellers but there's more than one seller in when it comes to diamonds but it is the group the what and they're working together oligopoly oligopoly and they're working as if they're one unit right because they're all selling at the same price if one of them was like okay i'm going to sell it for half 
that would be he a gets problem. All, he or she or that company will make all the money. I also think when thinking of diamonds too, that like there's a group that holds most of the reserves that might not sell it to someone, sell the diamonds to someone yeah. who is selling them under two, which I think would so go back even farther yeah. into the monopoly. Yeah. It would also sound, it's from my perspective, it sounds like this is a diamond corporation group that are outside of one economic system, outside of one country. Like they mine the diamonds from wherever in the world and then they send those diamonds to their own country. So how the diamonds were taken and whether or not they're actually worth those things is kind of outside of the bounds of that government. Yeah. And then it goes the, into which that makes government. Sense. I was just trying to think price. of the way that like it fits into like the system, specifically thinking of diamonds since that's the topic we're talking about. Also crazy about diamonds is that they weren't actually popular until marketing organization ran them as like a requirement for getting for married getting married was mm-hmm. like your your man doesn't love you if he doesn't have a diamond for you and that it was like what in the victorian 40s? oh it was yeah, like that makes sense. really recent and well, victorian that, it was the white dress that yeah. was victorian and and so it was kind of like a newer ideology anyway and then because of that that was like the other kind of swing with it but i do think it's like it's it's a group of people, if I remember correctly, from when I watched a Vox video about diamonds. <laughs> um, it was like, Thanks for like giving a, your source. <laughs> it's like a group, I think, of people who are from outside of different countries who all, you know, are representing their their nation. It's not like it's, you know, Tiffany and Company owns all the diamonds. It's it's kind of like a, a collective outside that decides where to sell them. But that's also why diamonds don't go on sale because it, and the same with like Gucci and high-end clothes because if you sell your product as less, you're automatically saying it devalues over time. Mm. And so that's why you don't see big... I mean, sometimes you'll get a discount on them, but they're never like cheap. You're never going to find cheap diamonds or cheap designer wear because it cheapens the overall product. Anyway... Mm. It's like a brand thing. Yeah, it's like a brand they gotta thing. They got to uphold that. And know? instead of it's it being like... It's the same with diamonds. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Because instead it's, of it's it... A it's demand a demand for like, oh, I want to be perceived time as It's a scarcity market. Wealthy, like, yeah. So yeah. Like, yeah. And that's how like, Supreme got money. pretty. Yeah. Louis Vuitton bags are pretty. They, no, they hold their <laughs> value forever, right? Like there's yeah. someone... I was. Which they, I mean, what, you, why I do you need a... Watching a thing about designer. I don't remember where it was from, but I don't remember the source. Sorry. But they were talking about how like Burberry bags are Burberry. actually better to invest in than property because the value of Burberry bags don't go down, whereas property values can switch. So wow. by investing and keeping like in really nice like in a nice context in a way where it doesn't decrease like the actual, you know, climate controlled or whatever mm-hmm. storage container. Mm. It's better economically to invest in Burberry than it is to invest in property. And with that, let's take a quick break. Welcome to Currently Reading with Abigail. Today's book is Hidden Valley Road by Robert Kolker. Don and Mimi Galvin were living the American dream. After World War II, Don's work with the Air Force brought them to Colorado, where their 12 children perfectly spanned the baby boom. The oldest born in 1945 and the youngest in 1965. During this time, there, there was a formula for success, aspiration, hard work, upward mobility, domestic harmony, and Don and Mimi worked hard to play their parts. Behind the scenes was a different story. Psychological breakdowns, sudden shocking violence, and hidden abuse. 
By the mid-1970s, six of the ten Galvin boys, one after another, were diagnosed as schizophrenic. Ultimately, the Galvins became one of the first families to be studied by the National Institute of Mental Health. Their story offers a look into the history of the science of schizophrenia. Unbeknownst to the Galvins, samples of their DNA inform decades of genetic research that continues today, offering paths to treatment, prediction, and even eradication of the disease for future generations. See you next time. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We've been talking about uh, luxury bags and how they do not depreciate over time. Just like this podcast, we are still valuable and worth your time. And we're free, so woohoo. <laughs> we won't degrade with time, hopefully. Um, so let's let's go. <laughs> we, I feel like I personally do degrade over time. It's called aging. I, I feel like aging is, is us increasing our value because there is experience value. I mean, we're decreasing in value in sports. Like we will, we will be less likely every day to become pro athletes. Every Actually, moment, I would say. I would say that like, that. here we go. Here's my little feminist plug. Oh, Women boy. depreciate in value according oh. to society, whereas men increase in oh. value in society with age because of looks. Mm. You're old. And I think it's like a really young. I think it's like under 40 before the switch societally mm. says for women that you're not no longer... I hear that for acting, like women talking mm-hmm. about in acting that they go from having the the lead girl character to having the like the witch character yeah. or the mom character at like thirty five. And it's also with advertisements too. Like at a, at a certain point, at a certain like at a youngish age, mm-hmm. um, much younger than you're advertising for, you're starting to like see ads for like get rid of your wrinkles and keep all tight and all of these kinds of mm-hmm. things. Anyway, whereas men get that silver fox which i stereotype per, per, like personally i don't i don't find that m- more attractive than, you don't than a than a younger man if i was to rate attractiveness of men but <laughs> getting back i guess to, it depends on if it's a capitalist or socialist society cuz hopefully a silver fox in a capitalist society has built that wealth i mean it really depends <laughs> it really depends so let's get into the historical context here. Now that we've uh, oh. we've kept our kept our listeners waiting for so long, <laughs> here we go. We're gonna we're gonna jump back to the industrial revolution. Mm. Um, but actually, before we do that, I just want to say we we forgot to do this during the define the terms part. Um, there's no country that's purely one or the other. I think at this point, really? in, in the world, um, there are ones that are very, very socialist, and there are ones that are very, very capitalist. But generally, most countries have a blend, and the idea is because of social welfare that most countries have some kind of safety net yeah. um, that catches people who may fall into poverty either because of a temporary job loss or like a permanent mm. situation that catches them. Like so, even the checks that the, all the Americans got or many of the Americans got in over the last six months was, was that, that's, that that's a socialist social welfare. Well, yeah. yeah, but I mean, I feel like whenever there's that's a pandemic kind of throws things into a, a, yeah. a different a loop, but like social security yeah. is an example Medicaid. of a social so That is going Medicaid. away with time. We're going to lose social Well, right. Security. Cause the bank of money that's going in is, is, is depleting yeah. anyways. So 
Um, both these terms kind of came around in and around the time of the industrial industrial revolution, which is kind of a time period where, as a world, we've we like dramatically increased our productivity. So I wanted I just did some research on some stats between like being alive in the mid 1800s to now, um, how much the world has changed. Because sometimes we forget when we're talking about these things that like we live in a really really advanced time, um, and we have. Uh, resources that could have are like not even couldn't even have been dreamt of just 100 150 years ago um so in in 1850 the gdp per capita of the entire world adjusted for inflation was about a thousand dollars a month wow per capita per month 1260 adjusted for Adjusted inflation? for inflation adjusted for inflation oh, man. and in 2010 okay wait it, i'm sorry i'm sorry but with that same, does that, in, so to clarify for adjusted for inflation, does that include buying power? It's like, was the buying power of this adjusted well, dollar the same as the buying power of a dollar now? Yeah, that's what, I think that's what adjusted that's what for I, inflation That's what I thought too, but yeah. I want to clarify. Okay. And then in 2010, it's around 14,574, which is about a 1,000% increase. Wow. Um, so things have gotten a lot better. Um, as a world, the total GDP in 1820 was, uh, again, adjusted for inflation, was $1.2 trillion, and now it's $91.3 trillion. Holy In 1800, moly. the world population was just below $1 billion at $989 million, and now it's 6 point, or in 2010, it's $6.96 billion. Now we're up to seven. Um, this was an interesting stat. In 1820, 89% of the world lived in extreme poverty. Mm. In 2010, only 15.7% lived in extreme poverty. Um, in 1870, if you were a full-time worker, you had to work 58.5 hours per week. Now, a full-time worker is 40 hours per week. And then global life expectancy is also has also increased. Um, even as recently as 1960, the life expectancy was about 52, 53 years. And mm. now it's like 72 Upward, it's not surprising to to run into someone who's eighty or even ninety years old. Yeah. Um, so one thing that has driven this change is, in my opinion, is capitalism uh, and the innovation of technology and the affording of uh, for the whole world of better food, better tools, better technology that has improved and caused human progress. But in the same way, a lot of people would also point out the fact that capitalism has brought about a lot of exploitation, especially early on in the, in the Industrial Revolution. That's kind of when first socialism as an idea came into being because people saw the harsh conditions of the factory, especially in Great Britain. And people like Karl Marx and Frederick Engels were like, this is, you know, this is a terrible, <laughs> this mm -hmm. is terrible working conditions. We need to stand up for the working man, mm -hmm. um, so on and so forth. But I think put, put in global context and historical context to say that our world today is, is worse off than 1800, at least economically, is, is a very hard argument to make. I don't know what you guys think. I would, I would agree. I don't, I don't think that we are in a worse place than we were <laughs> pre-industrial revolution for sure. But I, I would ask... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking, I'm kind of split. Like, I I get the the um, increase of, of healthcare, the, the, the overall education level of mankind has increased, the amount of safety at all areas of life, it seems, that's all increased. But I don't know if all of the things... Like, it, 
not maybe that I'm not split, but maybe just that we're not as advanced as we should be. Like, so think mm. about the fact that 30 years ago to now, not a whole lot has changed in what we call innovation of technology. Like a lot of technology what? has just like changed to more compact like ways for us to continue using the same technology. Like computer power, yes, has like, yes, the internet, the like computer power, like all those things have increased, but they've stayed in the same format. Like we, what happened to, where are hoverboards? Where are um, like the, where's the crazy fast air power that we talked about having? Where is water pumping cars or cars that run by water pump? There was a man who invented it in like the sixties or seventies, a car that could run by water and it produced steam. And he was bought out by a car company or by a gas company and his patent was buried. So like there's things that we could have that could make us more advanced, but we're by certain companies and certain groups of people that want to keep holding power. They are keeping certain innovations under wraps. That's what I mean by like, we're not as advanced as we should be. I agree with that. But I had a different question though. So you were talking about the, um, global GDPs. Yep. So those are average of what uh, people... Per capita would be average, but then the total of the world's GDP is also... Would just increased. be added together. Yeah. Right, total, because yeah. we have mm-hmm. more billionaires now than we have in the t- any time well, before. Well, billionaires didn't exist unless right. you were like royalty. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so, now then, more, so more when we're doing our average of like 14000 yeah. a month, you're also taking Jeff Bezos's net worth Does that skew into the number? Well, no, because that's 2010. That was before Jeff Bezos. Okay, but... Thing. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I guess we could we want to bump Bill the total Gates GDP to like 92 Steve trillion. Steve Jobs mm-hmm. and... But yep. I mean, like when we were talking about this specifically, like the per capita average, because it was like, what, 14000 a month or something in 2010? Yep. Yeah, I don't know anyone, anyone who was making that much money per month pre-taxes. And I, not even now, not even in 2020, would I know anyone who would make more, like more than 3000 a month at most. Like, fif- like 15000 a month, that's 30000 every two months. That's like... <laughs> that's a lot of that's money. That's a doctor slash an, like maybe a lawyer. I don't know. That's like a high... Yeah. Hundreds of thousands me, yeah. a year. Hold on. So I, I tried to find that chart, but I could not... Um, my guess is that, uh, I just had the unit wrong, maybe per year, but I will, I think it's definitely fair to say that the average GDP per capita is definitely skewed upwards by multi-million and billionaires for sure, for sure. So I think since the industrial revolution, like into the 20th century, we've seen some pretty crazy examples of capitalism and socialism at work. I think probably the most prominent example globally of capitalism would be the United States in terms of um, gaining wealth and becoming a a global superpower. And there's a lot of other um, more capitalist-leaning countries that we could point to, um, places like Japan and South Korea since the end of World War II um, with U.S. assistance um, have become very capitalist and free market countries as well. I was going to say, though, also not it? without those social safety nets that mm. would be uh, typical of a, a socialist country. Isn't America, though, the mo- one of the most capitalist running countries, like with the least so- social safety nets of the developed world? Yeah, um, yes, the U.S. is uh, notorious or famous or whatever word we want to use for having notorious not a very good social or welfare infamous. system. Right, and has a very strong leaning towards the more capitalist leanings rather than a better blend of the two, like Japan yes, and South Korea. Yes, but interestingly, 
actually, the U.S. actually is not one of the highest ranked in terms of economic freedom, which is would be an indicator of a capitalist uh, a capitalistic society. Which country where, is um, highest? Actually, some of the Scandinavian countries mm-hmm. rank really, really high in economic freedom. Um, what things are pulling it down? Would it be regulations on goods? Yeah, regulations, uh, limits for, you know, like pricing, oh. um, access to markets, all these kind of stuff. Do you think? But that those- doesn't that doesn't make sense though, because I know Scandinavia has a lot of limits, like government interfered on their free market. Well, so actually, Scandin- I think there's, uh, which one? Sweden. Okay, there's actually no minimum wage in Sweden, Denmark, or Norway. Really? So that. that so that would be an example of a limitation that's like How imposed on businesses that are like, you must pay your employee this much. But in Sweden, Denmark, and Norway, they don't have that. Um, instead, you your sector, you negotiate wages according to how much the job is actually worth. Oh. With the, you, so, so you pre-negotiate your wages... And then you you come to an agreed upon number, and that's what you get paid, regardless of how high or low it is. Do they have unions? Yeah, so that would that would be an example of a union mm. negotiating that. Each each industry has its own like union that works to figure out their own minimum wage. Well, I think so. The, well, it said the word they use is sector. Mm. I'm assuming that is some form of union that. Like but that would imply to everything like a gas a gas station pumper and a teacher. Right. But in their own. But I think they Sector, would, silos, would. But yeah. the idea is that it would be freely negotiated and agreed upon, right? Which cool. actually is very, really is, cool. very is very capitalistic, and it's yeah. it's um, not like predetermined by uh, the government. But as and, far as like cost of goods, though, I was pretty sure that like you're not allowed to sell certain things. And right, in I mean, there are still there are definitely still regulations, right? But that's an example of, of where Scandinavia... Yeah. There's not a nationwide and minimum. It's minimum. interesting because Scandinavia is usually pointed to as being like one of the... You know, like Bernie Sanders is always, always like referencing Scandinavian countries and Abigail is always referencing <laughs> Scandinavian <laughs> Bernie countries. Bernie Sanders and I together! But um, isn't that just because Abigail loves Scandinavian culture but actually, as well I would, as... I would like to quote the Danish prime minister. His name is Lars... Lars Rasmussen. What a wonderful name. Um, and he says, quote, I know that some people in the U.S. associate the Nordic model with some sort of socialism. Therefore, I'd like to make one thing clear. Denmark is far from a socialist planned economy. Denmark is a market economy, which I think drives home the point that we kind of established earlier that every country is kind of a blend. Yeah. There's always going to be components of free market economy versus socialism. And so it's, it's more of which side do you lean more heavily on? Um, that kind of drives what you are. And with that, we are going to take a break. And welcome to the segment called Words Are Hard with Candace, where I share an interesting word or phrase. Today's word is con man. Con man means a person who tricks another person in order to get their money and comes from the phrase confidence man, coined in 1849. The word confidence coming from the Latin confidence, meaning firmly trusting and bold. This also connects to the book White Trash, the 400-year-old untold history of class in America by Nancy Eisenberg. In it, she says the following. The life of the early modern soldier was harsh and unpredictable. Disbanded troops often pillaged on their way home. In the popular literature of the day, soldiers turned thieves were the subjects of a number of racy accounts. 
John Audley's The Fraternity of Vagabonds, written in 1561, and others of its kind, depicted the wandering poor as a vast network of predatory gangs. Ex-soldiers filled empty slots in the gangs as upright men, or bandit leaders. Coney catchers literally bagged their booty. These consummate robbers had one tool of their trade, the hook, which was jammed through open windows in order to steal valuable goods. In proposing to ship our idle soldiers overseas, Hackle claimed to turn con men into actual coney catchers, shooting rabbits to give hearty substance to the American colonist's daily stew. In other words, sending veteran soldiers and convicts to America would reduce crime and poverty in one masterstroke in the UK. Con men. Welcome back, listeners. Before the break, we're talking about our dear friend in Denmark, Lars, and uh, his statement. Um, but now I'm gonna we're gonna move into a slightly different topic. We're gonna talk about wealth inequality because that's kind of a hot topic that um, is always brought up in this debate. And so I have I have a very hot take. But first, Candace has a few words. That hot topic that he just mentioned is not to be confused with the mall business known as Hot Topic. I just wanted to clarify. Which is a capitalistic enterprise. Correct. For and the also emo youth. Very dark. And very young dark inside. Adults. Physically, metaphorically, spiritually. It's a dark place. Carry on. A physically dark place? Yes. Yeah. Have you ever been dim. in a Hot Topic? I have not. Oh, they have like I, no lights. I, <laughs> yeah. It's no like, windows. There's like And there's always the some things. like what? Some pu- punk music from... playing. And in the back there are deviant socially items that are inappropriate for people under the age of anywhere. So I feel like in general, I prefer to shop at a cheaper, at cheaper places. I'm assuming Hot Topic is No, it's very pricey. cheap. It's no, very it's affordable. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really affordable. affordable. Okay. It's, it's affordable, like, but it's terrifying. It's for the youth. It's for the youth. The emo youth. Lovely. Yes. The Oops. socially tormented. There's usually youth. a little bit of anime items in there oh, at the course. front, which was actually my first exposure to Asian, like any Asian pop culture was walking by Hot Topic and seeing stickers for like that. What's that animator out of Japan or Korea? That's like the Disney of Asia, that he, like Kiki's Delivery Service and um, oh, Spirit Totoro. Away or, yeah, Spirited oh, Away, that guy, his name. whatever his, his name, name is. Shout out like, to you, man. You're great. Yeah, lots Speaking of, of uh, Spirited Away and I think it's... Totoro. Yeah, my neighbor Totoro. Both of them were based off of um, Geofun, the street markets and Geofun, the art and everything and the animation was based off of that. What? It's really cool. Okay, so let's talk about the rich and the poor and the gap. Um, So my hot take is that inequality is necessary for society to function. And I think that's true psychologically and also economically. So let me explain. So I think, first of all, a society needs some form of ideal. That's my, that's my take. A society needs some form of ideal, whether it's explicitly agreed upon or implicitly agreed upon, that people yearn to be something, that they want to move in a certain direction. Oh, like and towards the, like towards the American a, dream. Towards a good, yeah. right? And generally towards a good. So like whether that be the American dream or it could be some people could want like uh, societies could move toward like uh, justice or whatever it is. But there is a value that is placed in, in importance. And therefore, if there's something, a value that's important, that means there's a value that's not important. So in that way, there's an equality because we have a value 
And then we have the opposite of that value. And your job is to move from the opposite of that, that, that value to that value. You're trying to work toward that good. So at any given time, there's a spectrum of people who've already achieved that and people who haven't achieved that. And so in that way, there is an inequality because people are on different points to achieving that good or to, to achieving that end. So does that mean like that everyone should in, in this, this ideal, that everyone should have to start back over? When, like, let's say that you, you achieve the American dream. Let's say you become a, a millionaire. You live in a beautiful house. Should your kids have to go live with someone else or not achieve any of the benefits from your money? Should you not be well, able to no. help so them the with the those idea things? Is like, every, obviously, everyone's at different points on this. Spectrum, what do we, we want to call it? Spectrum, pyramid, whatever. Pyramid. I like um, pyramid. Sure, pyramid. So, like mid-level marketing um, for a whole society. Sure. Oh, no. You can achieve the top, but only if you help me achieve. But I'm putting all of my money in and making no profit. On and on and on. Except for one person. Who makes all the money. Who makes all the money at the top or, you know, your handful of billionaires in the world who make all of the money and everyone is striving from the bottom pyramid. Right. Paying into their person, corporation that they work for, who's paying into theirs and theirs and theirs. So I think actually... Moving. Like, the easiest way to talk about this <laughs> is obviously in terms of money, but I think these little hierarchies are everywhere. Like morally, we strive for a good, and then there are people who are not as high up in the good, and we would say, like, generally you want to encourage people to move to become more morally good. What what worldview would that fall under? Which one? That that moral trying to move up just and like down a hierarchy. Just like a really materialistic, like we just want to be good people, like a moralistic worldview. Can we earn goodness? No, but you can do things that, like, I'm saying what society, I'm personally saying that there's, like, for example, sports. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to make this very, very basic. Hey, you don't have to dumb it down for us. It's okay. Well, I'm thinking I'm dumbing it down for myself because oh, okay. my brain is exploding right now. <laughs> so I think, like, first of all, not everyone is equally gifted. In, in sports, right? True. There is a, a model held up for, like, what a perfect athlete would be in terms of, like, strength, agility, their ability to do things, sports IQ, whatever. And people are trying to work up to that, right? Like, LeBron James is trying to be like Michael Jordan. I know, I mean, I don't know if you guys know NBA or whatever. I'm aware these people like, exist, yes. Right. These, so like, don't care, but I'm kids, aware. Like, our kids want to be like... Them. LeBron. They yeah. want to be like Steph Curry. So in their mind, that's like an ideal. They're une- they're they're not equal to Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Not in, like obviously not in terms of like human worth. We're all worth some. We're all worth something. We're all infinitely valuable. We're all infinitely valuable. But as a society, we have different people that we put up as like models of like oh I want to be like that, and we're all working toward that. Psychologically, this makes sense because um, I, I think I talked about this a couple of episodes ago that The Happiness Project is a book that uh, where the person who wrote it, she uh, had a different set of resolutions to incorporate into her life every month and then she compiled them snowball style throughout the year. And one of her resolutions was 
towards the goal of being happy was to pursue goals. And she found these studies that showed that we consider ourselves happy when we are growing towards something, either moving towards a goal or towards a deadline or towards a holiday, which is why the Christmas season is some people's favorite season of the year. It's because it's one long goal progression from the whole society's perspective. So we as a as a species, as like existing, we feel most happy when we are not there. When we're pursuing it. When we're pursuing it, which right. is why Christmas Day, a lot of people feel kind of sad. Like after, not just because they open the presents, but because it's done. Like the whole build up to right. the season is which, done. Which I think is what I'm trying to get at. And I think what you guys probably had an issue with earlier, which is just coming to mind right now, is like the the spiritual implications. Yeah. Perhaps. A little bit. Um, Quite so, a bit. <laughs> so yes. I think like obviously we we have to, we function in a society right now that's pluralistic, that has different values that it considers to be good, right? And they may in some cases be in line with what a Christian worldview would be and in, in a lot of other cases may not be. So then is it right for us as Christians to look at a society that is just for the example, kind of as we're going with like economics, not necessarily. Yeah. So I am mean, being narrow with sure, what I'm sure. saying. So in a materialistic society, is it right for us to say, oh, well, having these things and these the impl- the spiritual implication of people having um, maybe a pyramid of materialistic achievement is good for us to strive to as a society. Is that something that is that appropriate for good. Christians mm-hmm. to sub- celebrate yeah. and consider to be good. So I think like <clears throat> as I think as a Christian, I would say that in no pyramid scheme can we achieve perfection because that's that's imparted upon us by Christ. Right. So as a Christian, I would not necessarily want myself to be drawn into one of these pyramids or one of these inequalities of society at large, but I do think that these inequalities do exist. Um, and I do think that there is importance in affirming people's freedom to work up those pyramids if that is what they choose. Because I don't think it's fair for me to impose my view upon someone else and say, you have to, like, for you, selflessness must be your ideal good, right? I don't think it's fair for me to go up to someone and say, like, you must be a, like, you must find uh, charity or kindness to be the utmost good. But where does that end, though? Because if we're talking about it in a materialistic way, at what point, what thing do we say, well, it's an, an unfair for me to say that this Christian value that I have, I shouldn't be imposing upon your freedom. You know, like murder. Or, I mean, murder, I feel like, is that's more of like a, there's an innate sociological, like or psychological, bad, well, bad murder, even for cannibalism, is bad for society as a whole. Like, that's just evolutionary. If, if, even if you took God completely out of it, mm-hmm. murdering is bad for the evolution of a species. Killing people for food is bad yeah. for the ev- evolution yeah. of a species. But so apart from that... Why not? Like, Survival of the fittest. I feel like about, that's like, actually lying, Darwinian. Like, so, sociopathy, the lack of empathy and all of that is considered a positive genetic trait, which we right. talked about several episodes ago, right? So, but we, that's against... right. Us so morally, I would say, right? Like, I would say it's okay for each of us to hold, like for me, like honesty could be a, a hierarchy for me. Like you might, to be honest is a good, right? To be truthful is a good. People who are not being truthful uh, ought to work up to, to be 
become more truthful. Can right? I ask a nuance about what you're saying? Sure. So I'm like, I think hierarchy is the word I'm getting hung up on because that sounds more like to me that we're talking about moving towards perfection, not moving up towards another level well, you're moving up towards a good, but like, not like a product good, like a, a good, like a value. So like at the top of honesty of like the little hierarchical pyramid is never going to be a hundred percent because of sin, right? No, so you're but saying we, to be the most we, honest you possibly could be. But I think as a society, we hold up people as like, wow, that was a really truthful person or that was a really honest person mm-hmm. or that was a really hardworking person or that was a really whatever person. We have these exemplars that are like, wow, look at them. Kid, our kids should be like them. They should look up to these people. But then at the same time, like those people, we, we, I, okay. So the first example that came to my mind of something where I've been crushed by that was MLK, Martin Luther King. Like we hold him up as this model of social justice that we hold Mm -hmm. him up as this human, like, and as a Christian, like that he uh, stood for what was right. He fought against what was considered socially normative and he cheated on his wife. Like he right. cheated well, on his wife. So, and I, so I think from like from a Christian view, like we don't we don't elevate people higher than God or right. higher than Jesus, right? Because Jesus would ideally would be the ideal fulfillment of the greatest good. But our society elevates MLK, like and and it's well, also our, our like it makes also sense. elevates people who are rich. It our does. Society and it, and also it elevates, elevates like. I don't know. But, is it but good I think that's the point. James. And I think that's, yeah, that like, is my is point. Is it good to elevate people who are not perfect or to consider that like a part of society when A, people are imperfect and B, they're not perfect in every way? Like the fact that yeah, MLK has streets saying. and so places I named think, after him all over the country. I think for me, my dis- the distinction for me is I'm elevating the value as opposed to the person. Mm. So like in the MLK example, I'm I would ele- I would elevate the idea of racial justice, mm-hmm. right? That's a value that a lot of us want to strive for. And right. there are people that would be not on that path. There are people who are not seeking justice in society, right? Mm-hmm. So we, I think we elevate the value and we see the value in people who have done that well, mm-hmm. right? And the same, same values for hard work. Like if you have a classroom, you have a kid that, that does really, really well on, a, on an assessment, and you want like they're really hardworking or they're really diligent or they're really creative in their writing. And in some way, we like want our kids to move in that direction. Right. We don't want all our kids to be like Billy, but we want them to show progression towards the values that Billy has that we find important or mm. valuable. Right. That makes sense. So, I don't I definitely don't have a problem now that you've kind of explained it yeah. in that way. I like that a lot better. I was definitely personally struggling. I know. I think you were too, Candace. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But the idea of like elevating a person to the top of this pyramid. But I, I do still have a problem, like golden though, calf. when we're doing that economically, though. <laughs> like, the, even if we're, we're saying, okay, Jeff Bezos is garbage, but his all of these things that he's done for money are good because the love of money and the pursuit of money is pretty biblical, biblically condemned. So, actually, I would say that I, like, yes, definitely. I think elevating the pursuit of money is a dangerous path to go. But I also, it's a value that's held almost everywhere that you want to move up the wealth ladder. But again, but also do we values have... That, but wait, values at the top are also things like innovation. But the problem is, is that you're like lying to people that if you do these things, because so that's multi-nuanced to me, right? So then right. Kind of, I guess here's, here's my, I guess, opinion on this whole thing. When you're saying, oh, 
innovation is really good and everyone should strive to be innovative. The bottom of this pyramid, there are tons of innovative people who have tried or who haven't been able to be or who haven't been able to find someone else up the pyramid who's willing to invest financially in their innovation. You're going to find at the bottom tons of hardworking people. One of my schools that I taught at, I had this um, immigrant family who had was working at he was the the dad was working at three different um, jobs to be able to afford the apartment that he and his, like the kid was in my class, but that he and his like four brothers and sisters and some of their extended family were trying to live in. So hardworkingness is not an automatic up the ladder Mm -hmm. because they immigrated over. So they didn't have built wealth. Right. And that kid's not going to have any accumulated wealth because Mm -hmm. of the, the cost of the, of just living in the area was right. And so it sounds to me like we're, so there are, there's there's thousands of pyramids and you're referencing in my mind like one of wealth and success that mm-hmm. people in, in innovative people may not move up the pyramid of wealth and success they can Just still be very innovative, innovative. Yeah. people can still right. be really hard working right but that's right? what i'm saying with the higher this this idea of that we this, have to have hierarchy in in a capitalist society right like the idea that a capitalist society celebrates Right, um, fair competition. Well, actually, I think in any society, like because in a so in a purely socialist society, everyone gets the same stuff. Mm. So, what are you striving for? Mm. Everyone's achieved the same thing. Your work produces the same as everyone else because it's an equal distribution, mm. right? Right, right. So, what's your incentive to work? I think because there's no idea. What's the ideal? See, and I think that. I would say I would disagree with with the basis of that question. I think okay. that people um, will would strive for other things to be able to help their community as well. Because I don't think that we were created to be a purely economically run everything to be built off of survival. Because um, right. I think we were created for more than that. So because a pure socialism country doesn't exist um, currently, and none no socialist purely socialist society has ever been run perfectly because we are imperfect people i can't answer the question specifically but i know that there are things that i want to do to help other people that don't necessarily push myself up but that are outside of just like oh i need to do this to be able to make money like for for example um the swim team here right i don't get any benefits from it whatsoever at all, like I don't get paid for it. I don't get like um, reimbursed for any of my stuff. Which doesn't count. Doesn't count to your. It didn't. FTE. It didn't it, for it my first now, two right? years. It does, it does now. now. Okay, this is the okay, first okay. year it didn't. Okay, right, right. so starting back. So you, well, again. but you, yeah, you did it out of the you goodness of your it. heart. I did and right, and I'm and I and, and I love swimming. Right. Right? Fish. And I'm doing it, and I'm doing it to provide not only the benefit to me of getting to participate in something that I love, mm-hmm. which is swimming, mm-hmm. but also because I love seeing other people love swimming, mm-hmm. and I think that things like that happen in other ways too, like. There's vo- just teaching tons in general. Of volunteers People always talk about like I do the I do teaching for the money and the fame. You know, like we we don't actually like. There's a lot of jobs that people do because they love them and love and are passionate about them, not right. because they get paid. Not because well. you get paid well. And I yeah. and I think and I'm thinking specifically of volu- volunteerism a little bit more. I think than a job that pays less because still you have to have a job. Yeah. Like because you have to buy food. So I can't. I can't volunteer at my teaching job no matter how much I love teaching because I have right. to be able to afford right. to live. But if I was being 
all of my basic needs were being met, maybe I still would because it's something that I'm doing because I love it, right? Mm. And the same with the, like that's the, being the point of the swimming. And there's people who do it for everything. The people who volunteer to teach music and there's people who volunteer to walk dogs and there's people who volunteer to X, Y, and Z, even though it's not meeting any of their financial survival needs. It's because it it's some of their emotional and spiritual emotional needs. Emotional and spiritual needs because yeah. we're created for more than survival. And we'll continue this discussion in part two of today's episode. And once again, you've reached the inconclusive end of the inconclusive podcast. Sharing is caring. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Inconclusive Podcast. Talk to you next time.